right, Shane Davis, you're on the vent, buddy. How you doing? Good, man. How are you? Dude, I'm happy. I'm I'm uh, I don't know, man. Getting by, it, going along. Is it, isn't it weird how you just automatically say that when someone says, "How you doing?" Good. Yeah. How are you? Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like you do. Um, it's kind of interesting because, like, I always tell people, like, you got to be these, these days. You have to like be prepared for like what people are going to say back to you. Uh, these days, you're going to hear some wild shit heard back at you. Yeah. Yeah. And then you, you, uh, the onus, once it's said, the onus is on you, right? Like I always say, man, like, um, if you're just nice to people in that moment, right? Like a lot of people be like, you just automatically say it. And then like, you don't really aren't expecting to actually have to follow through on like whatever outcome you might get. You know what I mean? Yeah. I try to tell people like, be prepared for that and follow through, you know? Cause like you could be, you could like be, you could impact somebody enough to like make a major change for them that day, you know? Yeah, exactly. You don't have control over what pe- other people say, but you control what you say. Yeah, for sure. I think it, I think these days it matters, man. Especially even more so now with like COVID and the whole fucking deal, man. You just never know where people are at, man. You know, like mentally and the whole deal. I, someone could be blasting their horn. They're just having a bad day, but they're a good person down deep. So you uh, have a righteous little beard going on, some long ass hair. You're obviously well out of the core. Right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, a couple of years now. Tell me. Tell me. Uh, I don't know, man. How oh, you, there you are. Tell me. I had, how you, oh, you did. You couldn't see me. Yeah, I had my web page up. I didn't see you for a while. How's it going? Now it's now I can actually see you. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, do just give everybody uh, your background, man. Tell everybody kind of how you view the world, like how you how you wind up in the in the Marines or the whole deal, man. Uh, I grew up in a small town. It's about a hundred people in my graduating class. So, uh, I just had to get out and it was my way of getting out of town that wasn't funded by, you know, years of debt going to college here at OSU or, uh, you know, hitchhiking down the street like any other good Oregonian would do. So you you were from Oregon then, right? And now you're back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Born and raised Southern Oregon, which is kind of like, it's less green. Think of more like West Idaho. Yeah. Big Plainsy, uh, went into the Marine Corps, joined, you know, good old HMX, had fun there, did my five years. And, um, I started working at this, uh, security company whose, uh, client shall remain nameless, but right. Vaxcom, pretty good company you know great guys ended up being rover just six to seven hours a day every day in northern virginia just looking at all the teslas fair enough yeah uh but every uh, as i had lived in virginia i met my wife and her family and friends and some of her family uh they're what i like to call educated hippies uh, and they are these very good farmers who study permaculture. And I was, I've kind of looked into it myself and I noticed like, it's very valuable for an individual to have something like this in their home, even if they aren't able to, you know, do it themselves. It, it ends a lot of the main hassle with grocery stores. Who wants to fucking go to those anymore when you can just, have this thing called permaculture and you grow most everything that would be in a grocery store aisle in your own home. 
or at your own home. If you're in an area that has the environment capabilities to do that, most areas can grow uh, some sort of food, but it, some things take a more tropical area. Yeah. But I started learning about this driving around in the Northern Virginia area, seeing these giant, almost mansions of homes with huge open grass lots. And these are people that want to use like every cent that they have as valuably as they have. And a a grass fucking lawn just doesn't do that for anyone. Yeah. A A grass lawn. They don't, they don't produce shit. They are just tearing apart the environment that we live on because every year that that grass keeps growing and living there, it's just taking and taking and taking from the wetland soil that had built here for the millions of years that America's had existed before the European colonization. And I'm not going to get too preachy on that because the past is the past. There's nothing we can do to change it, but we can always make decisions about better futures. Yeah. And so that's what I think this is. It's a, a better decision about the future and changing the way that we live. Okay. So you were, so when you left the security, when did you, um, when did I, what, sorry. So like you, you left your security job and you just recently moved back to Oregon, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, about six weeks ago. So what you like, you learned the idea, like you, so you learned the idea for a business you're building right now in Virginia and you you brought it home to Oregon or what? Yeah. So I had learned this idea of permaculture over the last few years. I was living in Virginia, working there. Uh, so I had learned some of it in the Marine Corps, but wasn't able to you know, put it into practice. Mm-hmm. And one day while I was driving around seeing these giant grass lots, I thought someone would really like to pay to have their food grown in their yard, especially right now. Um, and so I had this idea of doing it for them using this uh, tactic of growing food. It's a perennial culture. So everything that would be planted grows back every year in everything that we plant has multiple uses, feeding the soil, feeding the people, building up what we've sort of been tearing down over the past few hundred years, Mm -hmm. just putting more environmentally friendly practices and designs into where we live instead of uh, cookie cutter grass lawns. Yeah, dude, my lawn right now, I just like, like I get, I totally get what you're saying. Like I have a small mm-hmm. lawn, but like I just put money into it. It doesn't like give, exactly. me, it it, doesn't give me anything back other than the, the idea that I have like a decent lawn. Right. Yeah. So like um, vegetable, like, grow beds are popular here in Utah, but not, mm-hmm. not necessarily like permaculture levels. I mean, so you know me, dude, I'm an aquaponics nerd. No, oh, yeah, I remember I've been working. I'm still like gathering materials and like, I finally am settled. So I, I can actually probably build this thing. But mm-hmm. uh, so people probably don't know that about me, but I'm kind of a nerd like that. But tell me the, tell me the difference between like permaculture and, and tr- conventional gardening. Like what's the major difference? The major difference is, there is a thousand times more work in the design for permaculture and way less physical work. Um, the way that permaculture kind of works is everything is its own 
unique system and it feeds off of each other. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whereas like your typical gardening, it's all very sectioned off. Everything has its own place. And that's because we're a very categorical mindset. Mm -hmm. Uh, We, we sort of needed that in our culture, but it wasn't exactly the right way to do it, but it has worked so far, but it's not working any, it is working, but it's not working as well anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, where you have like those raised beds, raised beds are fine. They're great for, uh, holding moisture in the soil if you don't have a lot. So, you know, dry, you're in Utah, right? Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Work out good here. Yeah. Dry areas. Um, part of permaculture is restoring the environment that you're in. So if you're in an area that where wetlands were part of what we want to do is to put those features back into the land. So your home is kind of like a mountain. It catches a lot of rainwater and it spreads out and it goes into your gutters Mm -hmm. and then out your pipes and then just kind of into the grass where a lot of times it ruins the foundation of your home. Nine, like 90% of foundation repairs are because of rainwater, if not like some environmental disaster. So what the concept of it is, is you divert that rainwater away from the home into this garden that you would use that water for the various fruits and vegetables that you're growing. And any excess will get diverted into an area on your yard that uh, would be determined from the permaculture designer in the way that they design the yard, any routes that it would take, it would end up, say, in the left corner of your backyard. Yeah. Well, that water is going to begin to pool up after it's all its excess. If it rains enough and you have enough excess, we would build a feature around it, digging that, uh, like a, a little hole, pretty much. It's a little divot, and that's just where the water collects. And you would put natural species, natural species around that to sort of feed it to keep it alive, keep it its own unique system. Mm-hmm. So now you have a farm and a wetlands all in one yard. I dig it. How much space do people need for this? Uh, well, it depends on what you want. If you really want to make an impact with that environmental wetlands restoration, you need at least, I would recommend half an acre to an acre. Mm-hmm. But if you want to just grow food in your yard, if you have as little as like a 10 by 10 square where you can grow or at least just place dirt, you can grow about 100 pounds of food over several months. Mm. Now, that's like tomatoes and um, your leafy greens and squash vegetables, which kind of are a lot of water weight. Yeah. But it's still a significant amount in a very small area. Yeah, for sure. So that's why I was always so fascinated about aquaponics, man, is you can you can get them to produce. Um, th- it's a high-producing garden in mm-hmm. a tiny space because it eliminates a lot of the competition for uh, between the plants that you're, you're planting. And then you also get the protein source. So that's why, for whatever reason, man, I was just – when I was bored at night shift, I just learned about it. So I don't think uh, – I, I think um, – aquaponics and uh, permaculture aren't very far apart from one another. Uh, no, they're, they're just different sides of a many sided cube of environmentally 
productive farming systems. Uh, Aquaponics is sort of like a section of permaculture you would use. It's just the reusing of all of your resources in a permanent agriculture sense. That's what permaculture's definition is. It's the combination of permanent and agriculture. Yeah. Okay. I like it. I like that. It's a, I like, you said it's a annual thing, right? So they're going to whatever, mostly whatever you plant is going to keep coming back. Yeah. Um, most, tr- uh, obviously trees come back every year, but, um, most of what we would work with are perennial bushes. Um, there's this almost weed like plant called comfrey. It's a very good fertilizer. We like to spread that. It's very pretty. Uh, part of what we do is design too. So you get a healthy, almost farm-like garden that's also very well designed. Okay, so are you? Is your business up and running? Uh, yeah, we are up and running LLC. I have the trademark uh, pending right now. Yeah, but uh, it's all we're up and running. I got my business cards the other day. Nice. What's your business called? Uh, the business is called Planter. Okay, so you're you're going to go around and and just build beautiful wild gardens in people absolutely so that's me myself so how planter is going to work is you know how lyft and grubhub you could sign up for the app uh become a worker and you get a 1099 yeah and you just file that for your taxes that's similar to that is planter's plan for its workforce is it uh, a permaculturist or someone who knows about it is able to make an account, sign up, and just promote their profile. And other people who would want this are able to also make an account, hire them, work out a price, work out the design that they want and whatever they want to grow. And then you have a fully manicured, fully maintenanced subscription service that grows your food. So you're like totally mixing like the high tech side with like absolutely the low tech hippie side dude you're that's it's like it's awesome that's it's it's an all in one how part of my like inspiration for this was i got i got into those uh like green chef other food delivery services mm-hmm. i was like and like sometimes they'd be pretty good i'd be pretty satisfied and especially right around when coronavirus hit I saw a huge decrease in like the quality of what they were sending and the quantity of what they were sending because it's gotten affected by the virus. Uh, you know, this giant factory where they do put all these ingredients in a box. It's all those workers in this high dense area. Right. We won't exactly face that dilemma. It's one person, maybe a couple or a group which would be called a, a guild in the app, um, working in a very spaced out area. Usually, if it's a group, no less than an acre, two acres. What are, what are, what's like the typical? Obviously, this is going to start in Oregon. That's where you're, you're going to. Mm-hmm. That's where you're launching. I'm sure, and that's probably where you'll, you'll start to grow. But in theory, if I mean, well, not in theory. Really, you could do this anywhere. Uh, anywhere except for some real Arctic places that don't grow a whole lot anyway, but we can't really do anything about that. Uh, But yeah, anywhere else is able to do 
um, most perennial uh, food forest plants. Uh, a lot of America's had like hazelnuts. Uh, a lot of pine nuts have, are real rampant throughout the Americas and uh, are natural species. Hold on, I'm pulling up my like list for what would be usable in Oregon area. Yeah, because I thought you were about to ask that. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm so I'm I'm highly interested. Like, do you remember? Did you watch um Live Free or Die for a while? It was a show that was on Nat Geo for a while. Did you happen to watch uh, that? I did not watch that. You should check it out. It's called uh, it was called Live Free or Die. They did like three seasons. Mm-hmm. There was a couple, um, a man and a wife. They were living in uh, like around the Asheville, North Carolina area. Mm-hmm. they had like a forest garden like in their home their whole home like they lived very small they lived in i wouldn't call it a tiny home but it was like a very um simple home you know they used like rocket stoves like part of their house like was their chicken coop you know what I mean? like everything sort of worked together and like um they all they had rap you know what i mean like it was like very like harmonious kind of thing um mm-hmm. it sounds like what you're talking about is really really similar um, yeah it's uh it's what I'm trying to do, but spread across the suburbs of America. Yeah, it's like uh, what it, it's almost like bringing back uh, the World War II gardens, man. For what were they called, like Victory Gardens or Freedom Gardens? I, like, I think so. It's like bringing that back. Um, and I'm 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 starting. I'm much more becoming um, in my own after my experience in the Philippines. Um, I want to be more local, right? Like. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I just think it makes a lot of sense, man. Like if you can get anything as close to home as you can, like it just, uh, it just makes sense. Like you're, you're promoting local businesses. You're, um, you're, if you're concerned about environmental impacts, you're reducing a lot of that by not traveling as far and these sort of things. Right. And, or you're just becoming more self-sufficient, man. I have a lot of respect for that. I, a long time ago, I thought it was like the dumbest thing ever. I'm like, well, this is stupid. Why waste all this personal time on like being self-sufficient when you have stores and like all these things. And then I started studying and realizing like, Stores are actually, it's a pretty fragile system. Like it, it's, it's balancing on a very fine needle tip. Like it's within uh, a, it's a, it's about a three day window. If, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe I, it's about a three day window where you could be your local grocery store could literally be asked out. And I think a lot of people probably saw that with just in the toilet paper fiasco that we recently had. Right. Yeah. Um, that definitely got uh, a little blown up. Yeah, so I haven't I haven't looked into all of it, but I remember um, I believe our supermarkets are sort of modeled. It's like a Japanese model where mm-hmm. um, our, that's how we run apparently a lot of our stores. So, um, and then my kids had food allergies, man. So I started sort of exploring kind of like where our food comes from, like what sort of things might be in our food um, and that stuff. And that's what that's what really got me. Uh, yeah, and my my kid recently had a almost pretty severe peanut allergy reaction too. And I did my own research. I find that a lot of the times it's not the foods that they're allergic to. It's what they put in the foods. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We, we definitely got a lower grade peanut butter one day and he had a reaction to that. Whereas, uh, that crush it yourself, peanut butter, completely fine. Nothing. Interesting. You know, I don't know that we've ever had that same experience. I'm not, we probably, actually, we probably have because now my kid, you know, most kids grow out of some of these allergies, Mm -hmm. the the highly severe, like when they're young, um, that peanut allergy may be like 
death, almost deathly. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but over time they can grow out of it. And I I think my kids have sort of grown out of that, but, um, there's still some things that we're not really sure about. And and like, we don't, we don't mess with uh, shellfish for two of my kids at all. Like we don't even bother. That shit is just, that's just dangerous. Like, yeah, I can see that one. You're right though. I think, um, like our world, we live in a very skewed world, man. Like, um, we're, we're very, very disconnected from really everything. Like our food, our, our, or the, where things are grown, how it gets to us. Our yeah. own environment, where we live, the people that we live around. It's a lot of disconnection. Yeah, it's it's crazy because we're we also are in such a highly connected world, right? So it's like this crazy little dichotomy. Like you can reach out to someone you haven't talked to in two decades. Mm-hmm. Boom, 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 boom. You're like catching up you know, in life, but yet you're actually still very far away and there's zero context. Um because you're not even actually really speaking to each other, right? You're just typing words. So, mm. oh man, it's weird. It's a, it's a weird, strange world, man. I, I, I really, when you started telling me kind of about the you know, planner and what you're doing, I really appreciate it because it's, it's an interesting business model. I think uh, surprisingly, it's one of those things where you could actually sort of um, capitalize on COVID, right? Because this is something that makes a lot of sense to people. Like I would use the example of uh, like, I've had chickens for a while now. I have my own chickens. Like it's just something fun that we do. Um, mm-hmm. we've been raising chickens and, um, when COVID hit, dude, like you couldn't buy a fucking chicken in anywhere mm-hmm. in Utah. They were gone. Like everyone snapped them up. Exactly. That's, it's like ducks over here. Yeah. I'm like, dude, what, do you, what do you think these chicks are going to fucking lay eggs tomorrow? Like, it, no, it, it takes a while. It takes like six months. Like we're, we're sort of now like kind of on the tail end of wherever they would have bought those chicks. They may be getting eggs now, but it's mm-hmm. like, what, what did you do from then until now? You know, like, I don't know what people were thinking or like what you, you can't wait till the last minute to be prepared yeah, gotta, they, yeah. they thought they were already stocked yeah they I, weren't prepared for this right so but i mean it sounds like if you if you got a thriving forest garden like in your lawn you know you, you got some time then to what, wait for a, a chicken or two yeah what um what would be like how, how do you plan on dealing with like city ordinances and stuff like is this a backyard thing, a front yard thing, an any space kind of thing? Like it, it is an any space sort of thing. It is up to like if you are in an area where like my my main issue I've been dealing with is like HOAs. Is oh, that's, yeah, they, they will not allow it. I have a, a big plan for them in doing like a very large design using some uh, very good designers like an entire HOA system like designed a, with this. Like a community garden kind of thing? Uh, a community forest, more like it. Like take a community garden to the nth degree. Yeah. Um, but uh, most mostly over here, it's pretty free reign. Um, in the city or in a more, um, I guess, suburban area, I'm sure there might be some you know, speed bumps, but it can, it can be placed anywhere. So front yard, backyard, if you need, if you're not able to in the future, we do want anyone and everyone signed up for the app. So our plan in the future is to build a compost pickup system. The city of Eugene has its own where they'll come take any vegetation or organic matter, take it to these businesses that, uh, turn it into compost and then sell it back to the communities. A planter wants to do that on a large scale as well. Only any 
uh, subscriber to the planter service can have it for free. The, the product of their own gardens. Nice. How far you said you were developing the app. How far out are, are you doing that yourself or what? Like, uh, it is. It's me as the designer and a friend of mine, uh, not a Marine who is the coder. Yeah. I don't know how to code. I wish I knew how to code. I know me too. Otherwise I do it all myself. Coding is a, I mean, it seems like a thing that it's a skill people need. How far out on the app is you are? I'd say we're away from the prototype about a month, month and a half, but a launchable version, probably uh, December time. That's yeah. But I mean, apps in these things to get them right. Take time. Uh, exactly. Um, I was going to be putting patches in and all that stuff, trying to make it better. Do you have well, any- it, Go ahead. it is going to be its own like living system. We're going to have to keep it updated yeah. you know, forever pretty much, but I wanted it to be a very well put together product before it is launched. Yeah. Well, I mean, first impressions are everything, man, especially with something like this. I mean, this is a, it's one thing to get an Uber ride via app on your phone. It's another thing to have like someone alter your, your space. Yeah. Someone come landscape your garden or landscape your lawn into a mini farm. It's a, it's a bit intimidating. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, uh, there's a lot of people out there that are interested in this, though, that don't necessarily, they, just, they don't have the skills. You know, that's not mm-hmm. what they've, you know, how many times have you heard someone say like, oh, I don't have a green thumb? You know, like I can't, I can't, it's like not, from my study, like in my own personal research, it's actually not that hard. It, it, it isn't, and it is at the same time, it's, it's consistency. Yeah. Uh, it's a need for knowledge and to continuously learn about it. I guess just my, like anything else, really. My, my point was that, um, yeah, like you might lose a plan or two, like if you're not paying attention. Right. But I mean, it's not like, it's not, it's not like you're building a house, right? Like you could, mm-hmm. you know, there's, you could overcome like a lack of knowledge in my opinion, like or a lack of experience, right? Like you can overcome those things and, and things want to grow. Right. If you provide a decent environment for them, as long as you like sort of cultivate the environment, like things want to grow, they'll find a way. It absolutely does. And you, with what we usually plant, you find that's absolutely true. Like as long as you've done it in a good way, in a precise way, it'll usually take care of itself. Yeah. And then you just have to be, I feel like you just, you know, kind of be precise about what you're, what you're picking, right? Like, based on where you live and your environment, like some mm-hmm. of these things, you know, these are very robust um, plants and they grow in these areas for a reason. Right. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, man, I just, I think it's a really clever idea. Um, I love the, I love the idea behind the app. Like, Hey, I don't, you know, I don't have time for this, but I want this or whatever, you know, like someone could come and help me, then they can help me maintain it, but I get the food, you know, I love that, man. I think it's cool. Yeah, I, I'm not exactly the first one to come up with this, but I apparently am the first one to make an app from it. So that's that's a pretty good pat on my own back. Yeah. Okay. So you're saying there there is competition out there? There, there is. I wouldn't call it competition. There are other people. They're they're very spread out, and there's not a whole lot of them. Right. But there's there's people who have done this before. There's I'd say about two other people in the city of Eugene that also grow food, but they have about six or seven customers, which is where I kind of got the ideas. You can only have so many customers, but if you have enough customers, 
you can have a whole lot of employees, people making money from this app instead of driving around town, picking up grocery store after grocery store, just down there, down there, usual path on, on their route. And that's it for the day. Not again, back and forth to house after house after house. I love it, dude. Do you have any, any clients yet? Have you, have you put any of what, where I know you, so you just got out there about six weeks. So I would imagine, mm-hmm. um, did you miss the time frame to start cultivating your own garden for, so I don't have a uh, property. I rent an apartment, but my brother and his wife have their own and yep. I've worked in that. And that's been fairly productive this year. A lot of, a lot of greens, tomatoes are uh, massive right now. And we've okay. had probably about 50 to 60 pounds of like zucchini and cucumbers. Nice. Um, but no actual clientele yet. It's, it's still very infantile, yeah. uh, fairly new. And I just got my business cards yesterday. So they're, it's making its rounds around Eugene. Yeah, I love it, man. Hopefully we'll be able to, I mean, I don't know, man, maybe. Uh, so I would imagine like with the app, you'll have like an online sort of um, advice, maybe service to like educational type platform or what? Mm-hmm. Uh, I was considering that more for an update of the app, but um, I did want a, an easy to use informational system, yeah. like a categorized uh, and possibly personalized to your garden or your environment that you live in yeah. or, or they're called grow zones. Um, but eventually, yes, there will be education in the app right now. We're focusing on being able to hire someone. Yeah. I love it, man. Dude, I don't know, man. I think it's cool. I, I, it, it brings me like, so I was hanging with my grandfather a couple of years ago and he used to garden like crazy. And, um, you, like it all just tastes better. Like when you, when you grow something from home, everything tastes better because it's not, it's not mass produced. It's not like, uh, there's not a ton of chemicals necessarily involved. Um, you know, even with my chickens, like my chicken eggs, they taste totally different from the store-bought stuff. Like, absolutely. That one I can attest to is chicken eggs, like just wild out there chickens give them a few worms every now and then and just let them run around their eggs are so dark and just full of protein i don't know why more people don't have them mainly because we've lost i think we've lost the education right and the experience like so we um like 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 i said it kind of brings you back to like the victory gardens or whatever back in the day like people were trying to grow a lot of their own food to just be more self-sufficient but then everything got better, right? So everything got way better, more convenient, and then you sort of lose some of that. And now mm-hmm. I feel like we're kind of we're start we're trying to come back. Like I've read a few like urban homesteader books and stuff like that, and it's interesting what what you can actually do in small spaces. And yeah, yeah, I love it, man. Plus, it in my experience, it just tastes better, man. Like for real, like it, it literally just tastes it tastes better, it tastes more fresh. Um, yeah, I just I can think of like some leafy greens and stuff you get from the supermarket or whatever, and they're just kind of blah. They just taste like crunchy water almost. Like yeah, yeah. But the I was just trying to like word my thought. Yeah. You ever have that? Um, but it's their like lack of nutrients is basically because wherever they grow them, that's all they grow. They don't really have a chance to sort of feed off of each other, share nutrients, have this giant interconnected root system like what 
you know, home gardening and a, per, a perennial agriculture right. would do. Right. Yeah. I know like, um, what, like sometimes farmers have to have like opposite opposing fields, right? Because they'll sap the ground so bad by, mm-hmm. just, by just raising the same. Yeah. The, over, yeah. the dust bowl of the teens. That's right. why that happened is a whole lot of people want to grow corn after corn after corn and wheat after wheat after wheat for a couple of years. And then, um, it just created nothing but dust. Got to swap that out, man. You got to like rejuvenate the, the ground, right? Like exactly. The ground is a living thing too. I think people don't realize that. Like, um, you can suck everything out of the ground and then it's just, it's worthless, you know? Yeah. You, you kill it, uh, essentially. Right. So that was what, for me, um, not having a lot of property, that's uh, again, what, um, was so in- inspiring to me about like doing the aquaponics thing. Like it's just something I want to do at home, but, um, you do, you don't use soil. It's a soilless system. You use a lot of water. You get to fish, uh, and it's like it's basically you create like a little river, little, little mm-hmm. river ecosystem, you know, kind of in your backyard. And I, that's that's something. That, I mean, it relies on a lot of power and all that stuff, though. So there's obviously downsides to that. A permaculture thing, you could. I mean, uh, it, it's exactly what you said. Its own little river system where your house is the mountain with the water flowing down the hills into the valleys mm-hmm. that feed the forests. Dude, I want actually, you know, we don't get a lot of rainwater in Utah, but it was illegal. Actually, there are some places like you have to be careful with that. Like there's some places they they claim the resource as it falls from the sky, which is awkward as fuck. Yeah. uh, It is illegal to store it in like a rain barrel or water catchment catching system. It's never illegal to store it in the ground. Right. Yeah. So, okay. So in your systems, you're going to push it right from the house directly to the ground. You're not actually... You're not, yeah. you're not technically catching it. You're really, you're just channeling it. Is that correct? Is that a better way to say it? That is a better way to say it. you're channeling us channeling it into the soil, a small, about three, three foot deep hole sort of rounded out to about five feet in uh, radius. Yeah. Or store about 20,000 gallons of water. Holy shit. It in the soil in that hole or in that divot and in the soil. Wow. The American wetlands held billions yeah. of gallons. For sure. Uh, yeah. And we moved right into them. Yeah. And so part of the mission is to start putting those back where we found them. Yeah, no, I get it, man. I mean, um, wetland conservation or wetland recreation, I think is a, it's a big push in the, in the United States at the moment, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know, dude, uh, you were saying what was, you were talking about some of the, the ethical side of some of this, like, do you want to go a little more in depth into some of that? Like elaborate on that? Like, tell me, tell me more of the more yeah, there, eth- ethical thoughts on it, I guess. There is just this concept of permaculture ethics and principles. Um, the principles are can kind of sum it down into diversity, recycling, boundaries, relationships, uh, Patterns in nature, attitude, autonomy, placement, and creativity. Okay. It's just, it's kind of like JJ did tie a buckle, but for like gardening nerds. That just happened. You just, yeah. Love, dude, guys are going to freak out when they hear that. You just, yeah. Don't. That's fine. The first time that's been dropped on this show. JJ did tie buckle. I love that. I, I am glad that it was me. Yeah, but you're right, though. It's like it's like the, you know, leadership traits and principles, but for gardening nerds. I totally love that. Like, exactly. 
You know what and, I, you know, I think is, is also super inspiring? Like when people look at me, they probably wouldn't think like I'm totally interested in this shit. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I will geek out on this shit like over and over. Like I, I love it. I think it's, um, it's fascinating to me. Yeah. But I don't fit that sort of hippie mold, you know? Yeah. Uh, and before I like, I grew this out, neither did I. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, those, those are kind of it. Um, it's just taking, it's observing and reacting with nature instead of against it. That's the core concept. Yeah. I love that, man. I, I love it, dude. Like, so I, I study emergency management and like, I, you know, I have two degrees in it and mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't know where I'm at totally on like climate change and global warming and all this shit. What I do know is that people on this earth have inevitably created, I don't, you just can't tell me that there's this many people on earth and we haven't impacted it in some way. Like I, I realize earth is on its own cycles and it does its own thing. And like over time it's going to get hotter. It's going to get cold, you know, whatever it's going to go through those shifts. Um, I, but just even looking at the, the, the uptick in intensity in some of the major storms and disasters and things that we've had, like, it's obvious we've had an impact. It's just, it just mm-hmm. is right. You can look at, um, migratory, migratory patterns of like ocean fish, you know, they follow warmer waters and, and magically the warmer waters, they're finding themselves more and more North, right? That, so that doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. It only makes sense that if, you know, somehow something's getting warmer. I mean, whether that's natural or we've created it or we've enhanced it somehow, I mean, that's up for other people to debate. I'm just saying it's happening, but, um, getting back to like what you're doing, if people, if more and more people do these things, I definitely feel like, um, we could have a little impact there, right? Like we can soften some of that blow that we've yeah. we've done. Humans are always going to have an impact. We always have. I read an article recently saying that the Amazon rainforest was planted by ancient humans. Uh, so we can just choose the impact that we have. We can choose to have a positive one or this extremely talk, negative talk, one. You're talking about the greatest rainforest like on earth, right? Yeah. The South American rainforest was planted apparently, uh, according to researchers by humans. Do you know what, what, what are they basing that on? Cause that's, that's actually kind of interesting. Is it, like, yeah. like, is it too clean or something like too? Uh, kind of, kind of, um, the Amazon is just full of fruit bearing trees and other edible plants. It's ridiculous how much every, almost everything in there that is a plant is edible. Uh, that doesn't happen just naturally. Of course you'll have some toxic plants in there, but it should have been, a bit more sparsed out because that's how nature works more wild, right? Like, yeah, more wild. Yeah. But 4,000 some odd years ago, humans started taking down the, what are called understory trees. You have the, the top cover trees, the very, very tall ones. And then you have your understory trees. It's about the size of, uh, like a hazelnut tree. Yeah. About 20, 20, 30 feet. Uh, and those are, everywhere uh fruit bearing understory trees interesting i've never heard that before i've never heard anyone say that i i had just read the article last night um i could send it to you if you want yeah i'd love to read it that's that's very like well i mean you're talking about one of the greatest uh physical or natural wonders of the world in my opinion right and Mm -hmm. to hear to hear like obviously well it's so big it's got to have like fruit bearing or something but to to hear that like um, yeah, I would expect it to be more wild than that. Yeah. Not to say 
it wasn't already there. It absolutely was already there. Doesn't we mean had just cultivated it. Yeah. Yeah. We had cultivated it or those ancient, uh, early Americans had cultivated it. And you're not gonna, made you're it not their own. Let me ask you this. Like I got conspiracy theory guys. So I want to kind of, I want to lay that on them. Go for it. I'm, I'm full conspiracy theory guy. Are you into like the ancient aliens and shit? Like, uh, to a degree. Yeah. So when you say ancient humans or ancient Americans, do you think they're the ancient aliens or no, no. Cause it's just, it's just farming in a way we've yeah. been doing that since 4,000, 5,000 years ago, 10, actually 10,000 years ago. I mean, that's what they say about like the Incas. I think it's the Incas and the Mayans. That's where mm-hmm. uh, they were doing a lot of the aqua, original aquaponic stuff. They would float rafts out in the river and then yep. just sort of corral them and harness them. Right. And that's basically aquaponics. Like, you know, the fish, the fish uh, push nutrients into the, or basically push their waste into the water, and then the plants convert it. So and convert it, aerate the water, do yeah. all sorts of good stuff for it. Yeah, they were the the pioneers of it. Right, I love that. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, so my wife's way into like the ancient aliens. You know, the dude with the crazy ass hair and shit. Like yes, oh, I can't remember his name. Something Ralphio. Um, I think he's got a Greek last name or something, but he's funny. I, I, I enjoy those shows. I think they're hilarious to watch. I mean, some of the concepts are funny. I'm not, I don't know how far into some of the shit I believe, but um, I don't know, man. Like the, there's definitely some really special shit that like old school, long ancient people have done where you're like, come on, really? They just yeah. stumbled upon this. Like there, yeah, there's a lot of connections. I can see that. I definitely believe we've been visited. I don't know how much impact they've had or what they've done, but something's came by here. So it's confirmed. Shane Davis believes there's, Oh yeah, absolutely. I think I was, I think I had an experience with one, but we won't go into that on this episode. Whoa. Whoa. All right. Future episode. Yeah. Gotta keep waiting. That's my biggest thing is I, I tell people like, I don't, you know, there's a lot of things I'll scoff at or laugh at, but I just lack the personal experience. I'm, I'm very, you know me, man, I'm very much a personal experience kind of guy. Um, Mm -hmm. I, just, I get that. I just, um, yeah. So there's some things like I don't have to hold a million dollars to know that it's generally accepted that a million dollars exists, but the, but that's because it's, it's such, it's so commonplace. Right. But, um, when you start talking about like ghosts or you talk about aliens or whatever, there's, it's so sparse that, you know, it's harder for me to grasp that concept is, is all, but yeah, I can see that. I don't know, man. I, I, I'm not afraid of the, the personal experience. Like I wish it would one day come true. So I could just be like, well, fuck, I don't have to worry about that anymore. It's true. I, I, I hope for a positive experience for you. Well, yeah, there's there's been some negative alien encounters. Interesting. Yeah. I I mean, I'm, I mean, there's a lot of people that say that, right? Like, I don't know. Have you heard the theory that the negative alien encounters, abductions are, uh, government some sort of government conspiracy yeah so i mean i know i mean there's a lot obviously when people have these sort of interactions or whatever um they the government is is oftentimes um sort of intertwined in there somehow right Mm -hmm. i think it's interesting the government's come out and said they've they're finding these vehicles not of earth or whatever that i think they recently said right Uh, yeah um the, the pictures they keep showing that we've known about since 2015. Uh, yeah, they're, they're not of Earth. This tic-tac that flies around at faster than light speed. It took us five years to confirm that. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't it just goes to show the speed of the government. Or lack of, yeah. I mean, 
Oh man, I don't know, dude. These these things are they're fun to talk about. Um, I got two guys that are on the show all the time. Tommy and Billy love this shit, man. They'll they'll go. I bet they could go hours on some of this stuff. I back and forth. It's just I could probably go a few hours with them. Yeah, for me, it's not it's not my uh, it's not my favorite topic to discuss. I guess the ancient alien things. I'm actually I'm sort of curious about because I, I wonder like you know. You have all these, like, like if you look at, like, the Bronze Age and all this stuff and you look at, like, the weaponry and different things that people have, like, how did we go from discovering a metal to having these gorgeous crafted weapons, like, overnight? You know, like, it seems, they always, history makes it seem like it just happened overnight and shit, like, and so yeah. did it? Like, did they have help or, you know, I don't know. Some of, the, some of those things is, is kind of fun to think about, but obviously, I'm sure a lot of this stuff was developed over time, but, like, some of this shit is like highly, highly crafted. And you're wondering how in the fuck did they do that? Like with all these crude ass tools and shit, you know? So. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, You should check out if you're interested, uh, close encounters of the fifth kind. I can't remember the, the doctor's name, but he's a a huge alien conspiracy theorist. He's been around like a serious government official since like the Clinton days. Huh. He's made he's made a couple movies on uh, aliens being here. What what kind of aliens? What are we talking like Area Fifty One shit or like are we talking like the you remember the alien autopsy? Like are we talking like little guys like that? Or are we talking like something different? I would say closer to psychic aliens. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of meditation and uh, beeps and noises outside. Didn't some actually beeps and noise? Didn't somebody just find a you know? we're experiencing that like close encounter contact movie. Remember they find the beeping or like the, the, the radio signal from independence day. Didn't they actually yeah. sort of find someone actually discovered something like that recently? Didn't they? I'm not remembering anything like that. I feel like my wife told me there was like some kind of radio signal that's repeating itself. Oh, from outer space. Yeah. They found like someone discovered it and found it and they've been tracking. it. Obviously it's from outer space. Um, I, I remember hearing something about that. Not sure exactly i mean dude when they find shit like that like it's a little hard it, it gets harder and harder to be like ah, it doesn't exist you know like oh, it absolutely does it just to to what degree does it exist do right. we have giant reptilians running the government or are there little gray men in spaceships kind of studying us like the monkeys that we are right yeah i mean i don't know yeah i mean you can you can let your mind run wherever it wants to with that stuff you know and i yeah. think i think a lot of the just like early humans, you know, I think a lot of the um, pretty fantastic ideas that people have come up with is, is a lack of concrete proof or actual evidence, right? So some, I think, I think the, the answer is probably there. We're just, we may not have enough information to find it yet, you know? So, and that's, I think that's where a lot of um, religious ideas come from. I think that's where a lot of um, legends and all these things that have been passed down from time to time and time and time that's where a lot of this stuff comes from. And then as we get older and smarter and starts to discover more and more things, those sort of ideas start to change a little. Right. So I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm not like a, I'm not a complete like naysayer, like anyone who, who does um, have a pretty solid belief in all this stuff. I don't tell them they're crazy. That's for sure. I kind of appreciate it. I like to talk to people about it. Some people deserve the crazy label, but um, well, yeah, I mean, there, <laughs> there's over the, there's over the top people in any, in any, in any situation, in any form, uh, anything that someone believes in, there's always going to be an extreme of it, right? I mean, there's fucking yeah. Yeah, football fans out there like, fuck, I'm a Buffalo Bills fan, man. They lost four Super Bowls. You think I'd have 
I got it moved on by now, but no. Um, uh, we never do. We're very stubborn creatures. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, man. So let's bring it full circle, dude. So tell me where yeah. you think you're going to be in a couple, in a couple months. Tell me what's the, what's like you've, you've planter is a thing. Mm-hmm. You're, you're pushing the idea. You're developing the idea. Tell me where we're at and, um, what's the, the way forward look like? I'd say in a couple months we got absolutely prototype is finished. I am talking to, uh, a very high up guy in, permaculture and i is sort of one of the starters of the permaculture institutes of north america i wanted to talk to them once planter got more established on getting free education or at least highly discounted education for any veteran that wanted to join planter start learning it as a business and start making it out there on their own Mm -hmm. you know working in their own communities Dude, that's so important, man. There's a lot of vets out there, like disabled vets even, that could do this type of work, um, mm-hmm. no problem, and otherwise might not be able to get employed. So yeah. that means the world to me, and I it, think it's huge. It's great employment. It's wonderful therapy, uh, which, although it does not replace actual therapy, I recommend for everyone, but it's great for your health. So many Americans, especially people in Oregon, is severe vitamin D efficiency, deficiency, and just are so unhappy being inside all the time because they don't have any contact with the sun that gives them that vitamin D that will give them, you know, endorphins and serotonin that make them actually happy. Wow. Is that why Portland's so weird? Uh, partially. Is that an actual thing? Is that maybe like an actual thing? It, it, it is partially. It is cloudy about 70% of the time up there. And there is a, a really high, depression and suicide rate in Portland. That's a proof. So that's a proven statistic. Um, ish. Like it's higher than like a suburb area. I don't know how much it would compare to like New York or, um, Dallas. Any other. Basically it's enough to say that it potentially correlates. Yeah. It's definitely affecting people. How, you know, almost unpleasant. I've I've been to Portland. I took a trip to Portland. I think it's a great town. We took a trip to Portland, remember? We were, we were on that, huh? Yeah. You were on that trip, weren't you? No shit. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, I love that town, bro, but it's, like, it is a little different. Like, um, and I, I don't I don't at all like what's going on up there right now. Um, yeah. It's, it's Portland is such a great city, even with its sort of weirdness. You wish they could just keep it that way and not, like, destroy it, you know? I don't, I mean, but yeah. obviously they, people are all fucking fired up. There is some unfortunate actions being taken uh it's a lot of very fired up people uh but i it portland's still gonna be portland it yeah there's a curse on it on that city that'll make it never change eugene is what it's a couple hours from portland yeah Uh, about one and a half or two depending how fast you drive yeah so i mean dude oregon is a very very unique place man because it's, it's one of those places where um there's sort of a very highly, highly liberal epicenter. And then the rest of the state is like, not that way, not not full blast. Um, but there, but then there's some people that, you know, um, don't really fit into any label and they're like, just sort of living life and doing these great things. Like I sort of see you in in that, in that sort of community where like, you're not really kind of, yeah. I, you know, I have my views on one side and on the other because everyone 
you know, a broken clock still is right twice a day. So I try to look on every side, yeah. even if they are, you know, a bit wacky, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much in the middle, you know, you know, pro Joe, I can say that I'm not contracted by anyone. Yeah, dude, I definitely, I definitely think the libertarian sort of ideals, whether they're, I don't know if, if you're saying, um, are you saying pro Joe, Joe? Yeah. Jor- Jorgensen. Yeah. Joe, no E. Yeah. So she, she's making some, some headway, bro. I, I'm not, yeah. I'm not prepared to say like, um, she is going to, um, really do work as far as an actual presidential candidate, which is unfortunate, um, because I think she's got some really great ideas, but I think she's really pushing the idea that the two party system doesn't, it's, that's an idea that we have in this country just sort of because like, yeah, you know, there's no rule that says you have to have two parties like this libertarian ideal, um, where I actually think like most Americans probably really are. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with that. Although I will say, uh, as soon as you get out of like city limits in Eugene, it's Trump flags all all the way down 58. Yeah, for sure. So I know like in, in Portland, very liberal outside of immediately outside of Portland, I'm sure it's probably a little more libertarian, but then there are some highly, highly conservative areas. And, uh, I think, um, I think a lot of States are like that. But I think um, if anyone was really going to grab the attention of sort of the undecided or the people in between, it could be the Libertarian Party. It really could. Um, I, I really hope someone grabs the people's attention because no one's really been paying attention or they have, and it's just been to the wrong things. Yeah, for sure. Well, listen, I've said it time and time again on the show, man. There's a lot of things that Trump, I think, has done that I can totally get behind and support. Um, there's a lot of things that he does that I, I, I don't like at all. Uh, and I could say that about Obama too, though. You know, I could say that about anybody. If you're just willing to actually look at some of this stuff um, yeah. and, and actually get to the weeds of it instead of what the media is forcing you to look at or whatever. I mean, the, the, dude, they all have everyone who's served in office at some point has some very good things they've brought to the table. Um, I don't know, man. But yeah, I, I think um, I think as Americans, uh, there used to be, um, you know, dude, if you go to Burger King, how many choices do you have? They usually have like 15 fucking things you can pick, right? Like, Yeah, I, it's been a while, but about, yeah. But I mean, like, why don't we have that in politics too? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it's not necessarily as candidates, but like, uh, you know, I'm just saying like in every, in every day of our lives and every little thing, we have all these options. We have tons and tons of options. We could get 30 different phones, all kinds of different computers. We have options everywhere. Yet, when it comes to the leaders of our country, there's only two people. Uh, yeah, we get, we get a final countdown, a semifinal of these two combatants. Now, I'm not saying we should have like 30 Democrats like they had, right? I think that's a little <laughs> ridiculous. And I'm not saying yeah. we should. I think the Republicans did that uh, when Trump was running too. They had a whole bunch of them. I don't yeah. think that's good for us either. What I am saying is like if we had like three to four parties where that could sort of, you know, kind of really make it a little bit more of a robust conversation, um, I think it'd be better for us. Having diversity in thought is just as important as having diversity in nature. 100%. Totally agree. Totally. Yeah. Uh, that's, a, that's a great way to bring it full circle, man. Oh, yeah. Thank you. That, that ties, it all, ties it all together. I'm great at that and segues. Yeah, man, dude, I'm super excited for you. Um, when you started kind of telling me, you know, explaining some of the ideas for this, like um, what you're doing, I think is really important, especially um, if you can, I think uh, as a veteran and you're a veteran, I think um, I'm learning more and more about guys who um, are out there and, and maybe just they don't fit into an actual workplace anymore, either because of limitations mentally, spiritually, or um, physically, you know, whatever. But um, this is something... Um, 
you could provide to veterans as a way of a means of employment that could be mm-hmm. for them. You know, it's a it, very therapeutic, like you said, and, and also a, a means to make a living. Exactly. And, uh, almost no contact service as well. You don't have to deal with anyone you don't want to. You just work in the yard that, uh, someone has hired you to work at. I love that. Well, real quick, cause I don't know if we nailed it down. If let's say that when the app is launched and someone mm-hmm. puts themselves in there as like a potential, um, person that's going to come to your home or wherever mm-hmm. and do these gardens for you start to finish um like from like maybe breaking ground or cultivating ground to like trying to actually get uh sort of a little wild forest going how long do you think well uh depends on you know how aged of a tree do you like do you want to start from seed or do you want to start from a seedling uh, but if you start from seedling sort of area your trees will be grown in about three to five years fully matured and able to give you any sort of harvest um, at three to five years old for any sort of vegetable crop or let's go with vegetable crop first that's usually in the season you you plant those early spring as starts and uh, with a staggered planting system you can have those early spring plants as late as, you know, maybe August uh, and preserve them all year round. That's part of what I want to be in the education uh, portion of planter is how to you know, store and preserve foods on your own For sure. because uh, obviously you can't grow anything in the winter and you want people to be as self-sustainable as possible. Yeah. I love that, man. Um, so, I mean, this is, well, I guess what I was getting at though is like if, if you have, if you start employing people and they actually are able to go out and, and work and build these gardens, like, um, it's a, it can be a long term commitment for the person who's building the garden, but also a long term source of employment for the person who's maintaining it for them, right? Absolutely. I love that, man. I love yeah. that. It, it obviously depends on the financial system of the customer are they able to afford that um bi-monthly usually what we will do is a bi-monthly maintenance or if you want to pay for more you can obviously get more but uh they will usually it's not it bi-monthly visitations on a permaculture garden would probably run you about a hundred dollars a month and after about three years you'll be spending 30% 30% less on 50% more. Well, plus the reduction in food costs anyways, right? So, exactly. Well, so you're going to be saving quite a bit. Uh, hopefully that is our plan is to save most of um, suburban America, hundreds of thousand dollars in food costs. I love that too. That could be a major disruptor, man. I mean, I really hope it is. I have made a few kind of plans if something does go not awry but more positive yeah like let's say i'm starting to do this on the news or i'm having arguments with the leader of monsanto who's monsanto or the um is it monsanto yeah it's monsanto it's the gmo like mass agriculture Ooh, juicy argument there gmos there's a lot of opinion yeah that's it. uh personal opinion do whatever you want to make things more hearty but don't force people to buy your product if they don't want it yeah or don't ruin farmers lives if your plant crop your 
special modified plant crop has somehow gotten into this farmer's uh, plot. Interesting. Do, do, you, do, uh, do you know anything about that? No. So I know GMOs, um, it's an issue for a lot of people. Um, I know that I think there was, it, there was a, a, a sound basis for why they were developed. And I think it's, yeah. the, I think we've, uh, we've like everything else, um, gone way overboard, I'm sure. Right. So no, I don't, I mean, what do you mean? Like, so GMOs just like wind up in people's farms or what? Uh, yeah. Monsanto as a corporation has been a bit, uh, not exactly righteous. Uh, they'll somehow have their plant crop land uh, end up in a farmer's uh, plot because their um, farm is right next to it, obviously. Hmm. Um, and if their crop ends up being grown in his yard, they will sue him to the bones and take his land and all his crop, essentially that's- destroying that farmer's life. Yeah, that's bullshit. It, it's quite unfortunate a lot of a lot of my reason for doing this is to sort of get rid of those giant monocrop farms they're you know they're the reasons you have the hashtag for save the bees because they're the reason that the bees are dying yeah they're giant swaths of land that they're no longer able to roam or forage for their you know their food their pollen or their nectar that they pollinate all across America. I want bees. I do too. Have you seen the flow hive? So I don't know specifically about the flow hive, but um, there are some little hives that you can do. Like when I build my greenhouse, like when I do aquaponics, I'm going to do a greenhouse, Mm -hmm. Uh, but you can build a little bubble like, and then they, then they can kind of just sort of circulate in and out and like bees for aquaponics are a really good thing. Okay. Like bees, I, I don't know that I've seen the bubble thing. Tell, well, explain what a what did you call it? A flow hive? Yeah. Uh, so it's this fairly new product. It's this uh, about six by six box with a roof on it, yeah. with honeycombs all through it, and a lever on one side with spouts. And uh, when the bees have filled all the combs with their honey, you pull a little pin out, turn the handle, and it. They are made with like these little slots and they kind of shift and all the honey flows down through that shifts out those spouts. So that totally removes the whole centripetal force thing that you used to have to do to get the honey out of the honeycomb. Yes. I like that. That would mean that that the honeycomb could stay for the bees and it's probably a little more hospitable for their environment, right? It's that it's less um, stressful when they do harvest the honey because they're not taking out their combs. They're just kind of cranking the lever and it shifts a little. Yeah. So like when you stress the bees out, that's why they fuck with you. Otherwise, bees don't care. They don't give a fuck about you. They're not, you know, it's only when you stress them out. You're not endangering their hive or messing with them personally. They'll typically ignore you unless you got like a flowery print shirt on. Right. Yeah. I'm down, man. I want, I want bees. My wife really wants bees. We're going to try to do it. Um, I want bees and ducks. Yeah, dude, I haven't. I, so I have chickens. I'm not, I'm not super interested in ducks. They're a little harder to maintain. Obviously they need water and they just fucking lay eggs wherever they want. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know it, that. Um, I don't know much about um, like cooping ducks. I'm sure you can coop them, but I don't think they're, they're they don't do well in coops. And I have a dog that would just ravage ducks. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. If you if you have a dog that'll 
fuck a duck, uh, don't get ducks. Yeah. Um, but typically they just need like a small little house and yes, they do, uh, need water and just lay eggs wherever they want. They don't care. Yeah. Um, their eggs are but, super rich though. They're supposed to, supposed to be super good. Exactly. That, that they are a bit better for a garden. Their shit is a little less acidic. Yeah. Chicken um, shit's hot. You yeah, it to, is. You have to dilute chicken shit. Like yeah. that sounds weird, but if you wanted to use it as fertilizer, you have to dilute it down. Unless you have like, uh, only a couple chickens, but a lot of land. Right. Um, right. but d- duck, uh, not very acidic, very healthy for any garden area and they don't tear up. Um, yeah. Chicken scrap. Like yeah. They, yeah, they don't tear up and they eat slugs, which we have a lot, big slug population over here. Well, in a forest garden, you, it's, that's probably enemy number one. I would imagine, right? Slugs and, uh, slugs, weevils. The, what's the other one? Um, amphids. Don't they get on the on, aphids? Yeah, aphids. Aphids. Yeah, they get on like yeah. uh, the green leafy stuff, right? Mm, they they just tear holes right in it. Yeah. Again, so the aquaponics thing it removes some of that threat. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't specifically know why, but um, that's. I just love the when you have the permaculture. The it's an ecosystem, so it'll sort of take care of itself, right? And um, mm-hmm. I'm I'm interested, man. I'm yeah. Uh, the taking care of itself. I don't think I explained it earlier, but there are. Um, plants that benefit each other with uh, giving and taking nitrogen and also protect against uh, certain insects that may be harmful to whatever uh, you have planted in your garden. Right. Uh, There's also beneficial uh, predatory insects. So if you have a wasp nest, as long as it's away from the house, I recommend you keep it. I like that. That makes sense, actually, yeah. Because they wasps eat the hell out of caterpillars and yeah. other uh, totally leaf munchers. Sense. Yeah, it totally makes sense. And again, if you're not fucking with the wasps, they're not going to fuck with you. Yeah. Right? As, and as long as they didn't make their house in yours, you're fine. Right. Totally get it. Love it, dude. This, dude, I got to be honest, man. Like when you do these things with folks, like you never really know where these conversations are going to go. Mm-hmm. But I love what we've talked about. Cause oh, yeah, me too. This is great. It's been, uh, like I've been, I've been talking about building an aquaponics garden for years. I remember. I actually, I got the tanks. I got, I got a lot of the stuff, like some of the material that I need. So I'm actually very close. Um, I just got to pull the trigger, man. And this has kind of inspired me to do it. Like, yeah, I, I, I would love to help you along the journey. No, for sure. I'm going to doc- I'm definitely going to, I'm going to document the shit out of it. And I'm going to, um, what I lack the, so I understand the systems, but what I lack is the knowledge in the plants themselves and like mm-hmm. what to expect from them when they're, when you're supposed to, um, when they're ready and all those things. So that's the kind of stuff that I'll have to learn about. And uh, it's, uh, you definitely be a source of knowledge there. So, yeah, it's really fairly simple. The main thing for like, I assume you're going to be doing like leafy greens or potatoes for aquaponics. Like what was your main so it's all, it's, it's the root vegetables are you, I will, I'll do those separately. Um, out of the aquaponics. Yeah. We'll do, um, we'll do a lot of leafy greens. Tomatoes do really well. Um, but anything, anything subsoil, uh, isn't going to do well because then it would be saturated sure. with water. So, yeah. Um, uh, main thing with like leafy greens is just harvest them before they start to flower. Right. And which is, it'll definitely be able to tell when that is. Cause they'll pretty much, they'll pucker up and just start having something grow out the center. Yeah. Depending on what it is. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll be in touch, man. For yeah. sure. On that, and we'll get a, 
I'll get some knowledge there, but all right, man, everybody that I've been talking to lately, we've, everything has been so negative. We're all consuming a lot of negative things. So leave, leave us off with something super positive, man, other than the amazing things you're doing with your, your business and where you're moving with that. So try to, try to leave us with something, a good positive note. Something positive. Uh, what it, what it, are some examples of like other guys? Cause I, I could think of a million positive things, but well, whatever comes to mind, I don't know. Most people, um, so my guys like on my team, they they're like the hack Daniels media, like family, they, um, we recently had a golf tournament. So that's kind of where our, our mm. brain power was, but anything positive, man, any, any little vibes you want to put into the world, dude, like whatever it might be. Hmm. All right. Most of the positive, besides the positivity of just planter itself being a business, my, family's been growing i got a little boy and he's just learning to walk and run and so i'm just gushing over him every day such good times i know he's my obviously my first and the first in my family in 26 euros what do you mean first boy or first 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 child born in 26 years in my family wow yeah i was the last one they really were like oh we're done after me nice Dude, I love that, man. Uh, dude, having a baby changes everything, doesn't it? it yeah. Everything. Um, before I had kids, dude, I just felt like I was grinding, grinding, grinding. And you're kind of like, what for? Like, what? You know what I mean? Like, what am I? What am I? What am I really doing this for? And then, yeah, searching for some yeah. purpose, and then, uh, yeah, a better purpose, right? Yeah. And then, uh, you know, a child comes along, man, and it changes absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. I love it, dude. I love that, man. I love what you're doing. Um, Thank I, wanna, you. I definitely want to get you back so we can, uh, we can pay attention to what, what's going on with your business and how it grows and um, get a little progression, see how things have been in the yeah. past. Well, just continue to continue to educate people too, man. Hopefully, oh, yeah. hopefully we'll get some good feedback on this. I think, I think there's a lot more people out there, um, interested in this kind of stuff that, um, maybe they just don't immediately pipe up, right? Cause they're not, they're not garden geeks. Yeah. Like, you know. there, there's no reason to be, uh, self-conscious or ashamed about wanting to grow your own food and being very self-sufficient. I think it's a very, uh, mass, uh, important, extremely masculine. Can you imagine yeah. fending for your entire family from your front yard? Right. Yeah. There's definitely yeah. some there in some circles, there's some weird stigmas, right? Yeah. Like, people are like, Oh, that's kind of weird. You know, like, actually, there, there's always going to be stigma. It's just very educated, uh, farming. That's all it is. Yeah, I love that, man. All right, dude. Uh, th- all right. Thanks for jumping on with me, man. Um, thanks for having me. This has been great. We'll, uh, we'll get the episode out soon, dude. And I'm excited for people to, to hear about your business and hear about what you're doing. And um, hopefully we inspired some people to do a little more for themselves, man. I, I'm sure I've inspired someone. Uh, before we head out, why don't can I plug everything? Oh, yeah. Sorry, dude. Absolutely. Plug. Don't worry. Yeah, uh, everything you can do it all do it all real like what however you want twitter uh planter app at planter app instagram planter app official our website is planterapp.com and you can find us on facebook as planter and on Kick, kickstarter also as planter app all right so that's just so people know it's planter p-l-a-n-t-r uh yes that is just like everything else that's been spelled as an app, Tumblr, Tinder. Nice. Great. So, all right, man. Thanks for jumping on with me, dude, and giving me your time. Thanks, and, uh, we'll, thanks uh, for having me. 
we'll keep we'll keep working together, man. We'll keep trying to plug your business. So I'm all about veteran-owned businesses, especially creative and awesome ideas. So um, thanks again, man. Thank you. Have a good day. You too, bud.